0: Welcome to the most enchanted podcast in all the realms. I'm Lynn. I'm Elisa.
1: And I'm Chell. Together, we are The The Narrators Narrators Three. And this is Once Upon a Rewatch, where all plot devices come with a price.
0: Welcome to Once Upon a Rewatch, Season 4, Episode 1, A Tale of Two Sisters. The air date for this episode was September 28th, 2014. The writers were the Kitsowits, and the director, was Ralph Haymaker. The title card featured Snowfall. We begin in the past, on an ocean where a violent storm tosses a ship about. On board, Gerda, the Queen of Arendelle, desperately scrawls out a message. Her husband approaches her, wondering what's holding her up. The Queen replies that she has to finish the message, and the King responds that their vessel is going down and they need to abandon ship. Gerda places her parchment into a bottle, saying that they have to know. Above deck, king and queen struggle to remain standing, holding the bottled message. The king asks his wife if she is sure they are doing the right thing, and she responds that Anna and Elsa must know the truth. The king throws the bottle overboard, and a massive wave capsizes the ship. Five years after this tragic event, in the kingdom of Arendelle, Elsa and Anna stand before their parents' graves and place tulips down. I gotta say, those are some really nice graves. Like, they're like monuments i appreciated that (laughs) because like you know they're (laughs) royals so i'm like oh that's nice they're they're not just like
1: you know headstones or yeah they're like the same basic setup from the movie as well Mm -hmm. Oh, nice. Um,
2: i also this is a this is a complete aside it's very weird to me that their mother's name is different in once upon a time than it is yes frozen canon it's a
1: aduna right
2: yeah it's it's queen aduna
1: queen aduna in in the actual frozen movies yeah
2: which i guess i'm like did did they actually not bother to fucking name her until frozen 2 came out is that the problem that's probably what it is that's
0: what i was wondering i was gonna say i don't think they named her until frozen 2 yeah. Like i I think
2: it's I think it's altogether possible that in Frozen one she's just the queen. Yeah. Um, but in Frozen canon, that's not her name, so it's a little weird for me. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, well, at least she is... got a name because that poor bastard didn't. <laughs> he he does in
1: Frozen two. In Frozen two, he does. Yeah, in I Frozen know, I two, know. the
2: parents get names, but yeah, no, he just gets to die on the ship in one spot of time.
0: Yeah. Well, like, quick, we got to kill some parents. Okay, there we go.
2: <laughs> it's. A, I mean, it's Disney. <laughs> it's Disney. Disney it's disney it's it's a hallmark of a disney hero is that you can't have two alive parents mm-hmm. or if you do it's very rare if like you can do, count you're on
0: or, or you're a kidnapped orphan i love
1: rapunzel yeah because yeah, you're reunited oh and that works with emma because emma's got two alive parents
2: i mean and that also works mm-hmm. with aurora who even yep. though she wasn't even though she wasn't kidnapped she was passed off as yeah. a baby and raised by other yeah. people yeah exactly So it's like you only get to have two alive parents if you weren't raised by your parents.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Then they're safe. If you only meet them later in life, they'll be safe. (laughs) Yeah. So Elsa tells Anna that she
0: has a surprise for her, to which Anna replies, Prizes tend to be hit or miss in this family. Elsa promises Anna that she will like this surprise, and it's for her wedding. So Why is Elsa in her Ice Queen dress? Like, to me, she looks so out of place. Like, where's her, like, little cute teal fuchsia and black queen dress
2: number? She was never comfy in that dress. She likes to be sparkly. Yeah, the queen outfit was what she was expected to wear when she was hiding who she was, which is why it's so covered and included gloves and has the uptight hair to symbolize her conforming and trying to mimic what was expected versus what she wanted. It's why her casting it off and let it go is so empowering. And the ice cream dress is what she made when she actually got to be her true self and not what she had to be. Also, Mm -hmm. she never put that thing back on after turning the corner on, hell yeah, no more hiding my powers. And I don't think they had access to Frozen 2 designs yet. Plus, in this scene, Anna and Elsa are both actually wearing exactly what they wear at the end of Frozen, since Anna is in her epilogue dress. So hello, welcome to Lynn's dissertation on Elsa, because I have a lot of feelings about her.
1: (laughs) I love Anna's epilogue dress so much, and it's beautifully executed here. It is. I totally
0: agree with that. And I didn't actually realize... So I have seen Frozen a handful of times, but it's been a few years. I've seen Frozen 2 more recently. So I didn't even remember that that was Anna's epilogue dress. But maybe the better question should just be, why are they exact replicas and not something like tailored to their personality, but like unique to the show? You know, like, like all the other characters in Once Upon a Time.
2: Well, I don't know this for sure. My best guess is because this was the height of Frozen Fever, they mm-hmm. were probably told to make sure they were really recognizable as the original IP because they were really counting on having Frozen be a big draw to get people to watch Once Upon a Time.
1: Gotcha. Probably like studio direction being like, we need to have these, these very recognizable costumes. It ends up happening with one more princess as well where it's brand very
0: much, synergy it's,
2: brand it's, synergy it is like um, <laughs> it is like the dress um, it's true we do we do later on get another princess who is down to the thread exactly what was in her movie and not an interpretation like everyone else gets yeah
1: uh
0: in present day story Brooke, elsa having just been freed from Chekhov's urn emerges from Zelina's barn leaving a trail of ice behind her Walking along a road, she encounters a sign with Storybrooke on it and freezes it.
1: She's so scared of this strange new world, and it's very sad. Like, her eyes are so sad. There is a lot of magic emoting in this episode from both her and Regina. It's just magic gals wearing their hearts on their sleeves.
0: Yeah, I hate to say that I like seeing her scared, but I enjoyed the way the actress is emoting to her surroundings. I appreciate her, and she is really selling me on this scene. Mm -hmm. On the main street of the town, a distraught Regina exits Granny's diner, picking up from the end of last season. Emma joins her outside, attempting to apologize for bringing Marion back from the past, saying she didn't know who the woman was, and she didn't intend to hurt Regina. Regina tells her that her intent doesn't matter, that, once again, she felt the burnt of heroism, and that, even when she isn't being a villain, She is treated like one. Emma asks her what she is supposed to do, and Regina snaps that she should have left well enough alone. Emma responds that she will not apologize for saving a life. Regina retorts that Marion was to die anyway and asks Emma why it mattered. Emma replies that Marion is a person and whatever she did, she didn't deserve to die. Regina snaps that perhaps she did, and Emma calmly informs her that she saved Marion from regina and i was like oh shit regina didn't even know she was the one who originally killed marion
2: i think she's iced so many people it got samey to her after a while honestly yeah
1: at that point in her life i don't think she saw people as like people yeah, as you individuals know? yeah i feel as like she very
2: much had like it i don't know i've killed a lot of people emma you gotta be more specific <laughs>
0: Slightly shocked, Regina replies that she is no longer the person who did that, and she has worked hard to build a future that is now gone. Emma tries to console her, and Regina snaps that the situation is complicated enough with Marion back in the
1: picture. This whole conversation with Emma and Regina is pretty much exactly what I wanted in that season 3 finale, in that Diner confrontation, and I'm really glad they let them have this heart-to-heart. It's It's a good moment. I really like this scene. Too bad it's about to be derailed from everyone who's about to show up. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Emma apologizes again, beginning to tell Regina that she will do whatever she can to help. But Regina interrupts, telling her that the more Emma tries to help, the worse Regina's life becomes. Robin, with Marion and Roland in tow, emerges from the diner. He introduces Marion and Regina, saying he wants the three of them to talk about this. Realizing the situation, Marion asks Robin if he and Regina were together. Robin attempts to calm her, but an extremely distraught Marion asks if he's allowed Regina near her son, or if he knows what she's done or the terror she's inflicted. David and Mary Margaret emerge from the diner, and Mary Margaret asks Regina if she's all right.
1: I love Snow immediately checking on Regina. It was very sweet, and I love their friendship that was developed last season so much. It's It's so strange that it happened, but I'm so glad it did. And I was glad to see it carry over into this episode, if only for a short moment here.
0: Same, big same. Mom, friend to all. Upset, Marion asks the group why they are even talking to Regina. Hook and Henry emerge from the diner and Henry asks his mother what's going on. (laughs) Like, the the gang's all here. (laughs) Yeah. Marion points at Regina, calling her a monster before picking up Roland. Emma attempts to calm the situation, but Regina walks away and down the street. Emma attempts to follow her, but Hook stops her, telling her to give Regina space. David mutters that he's worried about what Regina will do, and Henry asks if he thinks she'll turn evil again. When no one answers, Henry says that Regina can't because she's come too far. Emma tells him that she hopes he's right. Regina's worst enemy is herself, and while I do not enjoy placing the burden of Savior on Henry— I felt he ought to have gone after her just so Regina isn't alone with her thoughts, because it's always her thoughts that just like overwork themselves into a tizzy. And that's when murder usually happens. Yeah. (laughs) Elsewhere in town, Walter and Leroy are driving home, arguing over Walter's designated driving. The radio starts to turn to static, and Walter, aka Sleepy, falls asleep at the wheel.
2: Why in the world would you make the one person you know with severe narcolepsy be your DD? <laughs> I don't know. This I was Leroy. This oh, Leroy. A, Leroy, I love you, but this was a dumbass move for the books.
0: Mm, yeah, that's why we love Leroy. <laughs> Leroy grabs the wheel as the van quickly approaches Elsa walking in the street. As Leroy pounds on the horn, a frightened Elsa freezes the vehicle, stopping it abruptly, rendering the men inside unconscious. The next morning, Elsa walks along the main street leaving a trail of ice behind her. She struggles to remain calm and keep her powers in check. She spies a dress shop and heads towards it. In Arendelle of the Past, Elsa leads Anna up a flight of stairs as Anna attempts to guess what her surprise is. The sisters reach their destination, an attic used for storage. Elsa opens up a wardrobe, revealing their mother's wedding gown. Anna approaches the dress apprehensively, saying she doesn't want to rip it. Elsa takes the gown off its hanger and holds it up to Anna. She declares that it's missing something and produces a necklace with a little snowflake on it, putting it around her sister's neck. An ecstatic Anna hugs her sister and Elsa suggests that she tries the dress on. Anna slips behind a dressing curtain and Elsa asks her sister if she will be walking down the aisle with Sven. (laughs) Anna replies that Sven is not the best man, but he is invited. Elsa asks if she's joking and Anna replies that he'll be properly attired for a reindeer, which I desperately want to see, by the way. Mm -hmm. Elsa tells her that she's more concerned with Kristoff, the groom. Anna replies that everything will be fine and Kristoff has even cut his hair. No. Sorry,
1: I like Kristoff. His little little shaggy hair. Yeah, I like his shaggy hair. Opening
0: a secretary desk, Elsa discovers a small journal. Anna emerges in the wedding gown as Elsa reads the book. A swirl of snowflakes forming around her as she becomes distressed. Anna asks her sister what she has, and Elsa tells her it's their mother's, saying that their parents' death is all her fault. She flees the room, and Anna follows.
1: That poor wedding dress is about to get so dirty on its hem in the next few
2: scenes. Oh my God! Anna running around in her wedding dress stressed me out so bad.
1: I know, through all those woods, I was like, I are was gonna just dance. like, girl, no. Ugh. In modern
0: storybook, Mr. Gold and Bell visit Neal's grave. Bell remains in the car as Gold addresses his son, Headstone. Gold recalls a night when his son was small during the Ogres' War when a terrible sound of horses' hooves thundering occurred and his son crawled into his father's bed, telling him he was afraid. Rumpelstiltskin reassured his son, telling him everything would be fine. Gold reflects that that moment was the happiest of his life because for the first time ever, he felt like a man, like he could truly take care of his son all by himself at least until he discovered the dagger which he removes from his jacket he claims the dagger turned him into a power obsessed monster when all he needed was his son and his love he reflects that now with bell he has love again but has started his life with her with a lie bell believes she has the real dagger gold claims that he was only lying to his wife to avenge neil's death and as he has done so he needs the strength to give it back and be the man he should be the man his son died for Mr. Gold pledges on his son's name that he will be that man, and that his son's heroism has shown him how. He swears to spend his life repaying his son for his sacrifice. This scene would be touching if it wasn't a horrendous lie. Like, it takes a new kind of villainy to, like, gaslight the dead.
2: I know, it's... it's really bad. It's very clearly framed like we're supposed to be like, Oh, look, good, he's admitting what he did to Belle was shitty. But it's like all really hollow because like he's just trying to put the blame of his own bad behavior on anything else but himself. And I'm just so tired of it. I can't believe this is what we lost Neil for. Neil, I love you. I miss
0: you. Come back. I mean, he owned up that he was the one who lied and that he was a horrendous monster. But I, because like I know Rumble related spoilers and stuff, I know that this is this fucking bullshit. (laughs) so like i'm just like like if i had never seen this show and i didn't know what's coming i'd actually be actively rooting for him i'd be like all right good good
2: but i don't know i feel like even if i didn't know what was coming since we have watched this season i still would be like it feels like too little too late like i feel that sure like i don't know it's a very like sorry don't put the thumb back on the hand marge type situation you know he goes back and (laughs) forth on the dagger. in this episode, multiple times. I know. So frustrating. Yeah, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick with my sorry, don't put the thumb back on the hand, Marge. That's, (laughs) I think that's my big takeaway.
0: At the mayor's office in Storybrook Town Hall, Robin Hood has come to talk with Regina. He apologizes and Regina tells him that everything Marion said was true and that she is a monster. Robin replies that the woman he knows is the furthest thing from a monster. Regina tells him that maybe he doesn't know her as well as he thinks and Robin replies that he knows her well because she is like him. He tells her that he once was quite different but he changed leaving his past in the past. He tells her that he changed just as she has and assures that what they shared was real. He then tells Regina that Marion is still his wife and he made a vow to her that he intends to keep living his life to his personal code. Visibly distraught, he tells her that he hopes she can look into her heart and understand. And I was like, yo, bro, fuck your code. Tom Ellis would have broken his code for Regina, right, Lynn?
2: Tom Ellis would never do us dirty. Tom Ellis is a real one.
1: Okay, I'll agree with this one. Tom Ellis Robin totally would have figured out a way to stand by Regina while still being kind to Marion. Right. And then he would have given us a wink. Yeah. I was with Regina
0: all the way in this scene. I was like, Yo, fuck that dude.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I was like, girl, you don't... Don't settle. Don't settle. Don't settle. Girl, you don't don't gotta settle. Not for this. No. Good lord.
0: Robin leaves as a tear falls down Regina's cheek. Once he is gone, an upset Regina unintentionally smashes a mirror in the office with just her rage. She crosses over to it, picking up a shard of glass and gazing at her reflection. And we see the wheels in her head turning. (laughs) At Storybrooke General Hospital, Regina enters an access code on the door and enters the psychiatric ward. She approaches a door and lifts up the panel, gazing inside. She opens the door and the patient inside, Sydney Glass, asks her why she is there. She responds that she needs her mirror. Sydney asks why, addressing her as queen, and Regina responds that she needs his help to get rid of someone standing in the way of her happiness. And while I'm happy to see Giancarlo back, I am not thrilled at this turn of events.
1: I completely forgot about this reveal. Like, the fact that Sidney, having been captured this whole time, and clearly he has been full-on forgotten by Regina, and that's why he was left there. Like, it does such a disservice to her redemption arc these last two seasons, especially season three. And just like, poor Sidney. Like writers, you could have done anything. You didn't need to do this. Especially since it doesn't really make sense because it's implied here. It's been a long time. He says years. But like there was a whole year very, very recently where the citizens of Storybrooke were back in the Enchanted Forest. So was he just here alone in Storybrooke for that
2: year? God, probably.
0: I mean, no
1: wonder Sydney
0: jumped ship and stole the Darksaber. He's like, I'm out. I'm out, see? I'm going to a new IP. I like that he did his time here just to have a massive glow up. It's like, I put in my time.
1: <laughs> I know. It's cause, cause I'm now going to out- be a fucking badass on The Mandalorian. And I think between this was his run on Breaking Bad. Yep. And also his run as one of the main antagonists on Revolution, which Linami
2: loved. <laughs> I don't know if a lot of people did, but we did. <laughs> it was, you know, it wasn't great, but we loved it. We loved it.
0: I like a lot of shows that aren't great, but I just love it anyway. I mean, look at us with this. <laughs> I yeah, mean... true. true. <laughs> Elsewhere in town, Mr. Golden Bell arrive at a mansion. Bell telling Gold that she found it on a hike, speculating that it came over from the second dark curse. She says that no one has claimed it and the couple could
1: borrow it for their honeymoon. And Bell is devious. I like it did Belle just find this place while she was being a super detective last season like snooping in the real estate records in the library to like find prince eric or something no she said she found it on a hike oh she found it on a hike i missed that oops yeah
2: (laughs) (laughs) i imagine she did detective work i mean in a hike on those fucking shoes well no not in those fucking shoes (laughs) that's all they let
1: her wear Chell. (laughs) (laughs) they've never
2: given her sensible shoes not once
1: she only gets heels
0: our poor little five foot one queen
1: she's five foot one yeah she's just like my wife yeah
0: Yeah, she's tiny she a tiny girl and she's a little ballerina
2: just let her be small yeah, just like let her, her stand on safety. Up.
0: Let her stand <laughs> on an apple box whenever she's near Robert Carlyle, who is not or that just, tall.
2: Just let her be small. It's cute. It it It'll just be her, like, oh look, her, she's wee and dainty.
0: Right. I mean, I realize they do have to for shots purposes.
2: Well, then just pull a supernatural and dig a, dig a ditch for Robert to walk around in. <laughs>
0: inside. The couple explores the house, and Belle ponders who it belonged to. Gushing about the house, Belle moves toward a window and gold freezes her. He removes the fake dagger from Bell's purse and trades it for the real one from his jacket before reversing the spell. Okay, good job. You get half a cookie. I say half because you still did it in the first place. And the cookie fell on the floor. So it's a yeah. little dusty. <laughs> Bell tells him that he hasn't even seen the best part and hurries off toward a door.
2: This whole scene, I just kept looking at Emily, almost twisting her ankles and thinking, God, please stop putting this woman in shoes that are going to murder her. It's driving me up a wall. Be nice. <laughs>
0: just be nice. I, I did like that sweet little hop she does. Like,
2: I think that movie. was covering up a trip. Oh, <laughs> probably. No. Homegirl's going to kill herself in those things.
0: On his way to join her, Gold's eye is caught by a mysterious item on a table. Belle asks her husband what the matter is, but he replies that whoever owned the mansion has interesting tastes. Belle leads Gold into a ballroom, asking him what he thinks. Gold replies that they have been married nearly a day and have yet to have their first dance. He snaps his fingers four times, starting a nearby record player to the tune of Beauty and the Beast, lighting the chandelier, and turning the couple's attire into outfits reminiscent of the ballroom scene from Beauty and the Beast. He asks his wife to dance and visibly moved, she accepts. And then they have their first dance. And I think it's very sweet.
2: I don't like raiding on your parade because I know you love this ship. And I feel bad whenever I have something negative to say about it because I know you love them. But this scene actually made me really uncomfortable. It felt really controlling to me. And another aspect in which Belt just had no agency at all, including not even getting a choice as to what she wears or looks like. It it just felt like a continuation of how controlling he has been and she basically is just treated like a living doll to be dressed up in the scene. And I don't like to be that guy, but I just need to say that it made me uncomfortable.
0: No, that's okay. I mean, that's why we're co-hosts because we all have different opinions and different perspectives and that's yeah. what makes it fun. This podcast would not be fun if we all just like agreed on the same shit. You guys have made me think of like, like seeing perspectives of totally different characters, you know, so no.
2: Please be that guy. Okay. I just feel, because I, I I also oh, just, okay. I don't know. I never like to be that guy that I have a friend who's like, I love a thing. And I'm like, well, you shouldn't. And here's why. Because you've had never told me why to me I shouldn't though.
0: <laughs> but that's the thing. You're always like, you're very supportive. You're just like, you can ship this. It's cool. I don't, but you can, you know.
2: That's what I try to go for. Because I'm like, I know it's your ship. But I'm not telling you not ship it. I'm just saying it may be uncomfy. And here's why. <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> I mean, counterpoint, I didn't sense that, of
0: course. I saw the dress as a remembrance of the one that she wore when they first met. I know it was also like the filmmakers going, oh, look, it's cute. They're beating the beast, you know? So it's more coming from that angle than anything. And of course, like these men don't fucking think about things like that. You know? No, you know, they don't. They really don't. Um, And I just like, it was like, well, she surprised him and he had no choice in her surprise of like the place that they came to for their honeymoon. Whereas this, this seems just like, You know, a single dance. I doubt, like, he was like, now you must wear this dress forever. (laughs) And for the rest of the night, you know.
2: (laughs) I think if he had just put the music on and been like, let's have our first dance, it would have hit different. For some reason, the, like, the dressing her up part was what made me go, oh... I can see that. I don't like I, that. It just felt like a power imbalance. Like it felt like adding to the power imbalance to be like, you're my Barbie now.
0: <laughs> sure. No. And I, I feel that it can be triggering. And I respect that. Point observed and acknowledged.
2: I'm not trying to yuck anyone's yum. That's the last thing I'm going to say about it. <laughs> no. I know we have not. a lot of rumbell shippers to listen to this. I'm not trying to yuck your yum, guys. It's totally fine.
0: On the main street of town, Emma, David, Mary Margaret, and Henry are walking with baby Neil in a stroller. David remarks that maybe they should have named him Balefire, which I thought was super cute.
2: It was cute. It I was, was like, you. I was like, well, he can have a middle name because <laughs> it
0: sure as shit beats uh, Leopold. Fuck that.
2: God, no. Yeah, no Leopold. No, Leopold. Neil no Balefire. Leopold.
0: It rolls. It rolls off the tongue. Neil Balefire. Emma hangs up her cell phone, and Henry asks if his mother has answered any of her calls. If Mom One answered any of Mom's two calls. <laughs> Emma replies that Regina does not want to be disturbed but quickly adds that it doesn't mean that she's being evil. Henry suggests that he try calling Regina as she may not want to hear from Emma in particular which fair. fair. <laughs> yeah. Emma strolls along with her mother who comments that Henry seems to be taking things well including seeing both of his moms with new men. I'm like <laughs> <laughs> because, uh, I'm sorry that made me laugh because <laughs> I was just like oh man <laughs> anyway. <laughs>
1: Emma. I know your moms aren't together anymore. Are you okay, Henry? Are you okay, Henry? Henry, do you want to talk
0: about it? Do you want to (sighs) talk
2: about it? Do you want to talk about, like, the break that your moms are taking? Sometimes relationships go through rough patches, Henry, and it's not anyone's fault. Emma stutters,
0: and Mary Margaret deduces that Henry doesn't know about her relationship with Hook yet. Emma conjects that there is no relationship with Hook, and that she can't talk about it with Henry if she isn't sure what their status is to begin with. Serendipitously, Hook appears informing Emma that Regina is not hiding in her mausoleum. He asks Emma if she's avoiding him, and Emma breaks away from her mother to go have a little private chat with him. She explains that she isn't avoiding him, just, you know, dealing with stuff, and that there's a crisis going on. Somewhat annoyed, Hook tells her that there's always a crisis, and she should live her life during them or it will pass her by. Suddenly, Leroy and Walter appear panicking and shouting, We're under
2: attack! i truly love that leroy can always be counted on to barrel into a scene belting out exposition yes like it's not quite him running in screaming terrible news (laughs) but i still love it
1: seriously leroy running into scenes and yelling will never get old it's one of my favorite once upon a time reoccurring jokes
0: being big same i hope i hope someone has done a super cut on youtube oh me too (laughs) i'm i must look that up Leroy explains their encounter with Elsa. We woke up in a meat locker. Who's got that kind of magic? And Emma replies, maybe the person who made that. As she points at a small trail of ice on the ground nearby. We go back to Arendelle of the Past, where Elsa sits alone in the woods with her mother's diary. Anna, still wearing her wedding gown. oh Anna. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> stressing stressing <her>. me out. <laughs> no. Stressing Lynn out, just raising her blood pressure willy-nilly.
2: Your wedding's Thanks. tomorrow, and you're running around the dirt in your wedding dress, Anna.
0: <laughs> Anna is nothing if not a golden
2: retriever. God, that's for sure.
0: <laughs> yeah. Elsa tells her she wants to be alone, and Anna replies that she isn't alone, which isn't a bad thing. She asks her sister what's in the diary. Distraught, Elsa explains that their parents didn't leave the kingdom on a diplomatic mission as they had thought. It was just a cover. When Anna asks what they are hiding, Elsa hands her the open diary, telling her to read it. Anna reads out loud a passage declaring that Elsa's powers are terrifying and that they have to be stopped. Elsa replies that they left because of her, and it's her fault that they can't be there for Anna's wedding. Elsa apologizes, but Anna tells her that it isn't her fault and she isn't a monster. She claims the diary is only part of the story, and she will prove that their parents weren't afraid of Elsa. Elsa asks her how she knows that, and Anna replies that there are more answers about what happened to their parents. She just knows it. Excitedly, she tells her sister that her future in-laws can help them find those answers.
1: I just adore the actress who portrays Anna. I don't think I've seen her in anything else, but she is a delight in this.
0: hmm I love her. In present-day Storybrooke, Hook and Emma follow the ice trail, leading them to a fenced-off area of Storybrook Cannery. Seeing the door close, the pair race to follow the trail. On the other side of the door, Elsa hurries away.
1: Poor sad Elsa hiding in trash. It's me.
2: Hi. Oh. <laughs> I'm the problem. It's me.
0: <laughs> I just imagine like this cute little awkward like stitch,
1: but Lynn character going, hi. Hi. <laughs> flexing <laughs> my hands. Yeah. Dressed as Elsa in the dumpster. Yep. <laughs> little lopsided
0: wig. I mean, your yep. wigs are always fierce, but you know. Trash. Thank you. Elsa hides behind a piece of equipment as Hook and Emma draw near. Her fears conjure a giant creature made of ice. And
2: hey, that CGI... Isn't terrible. Yeah, it's really not. Like, I don't mind how they did marshmallow. He's not quite as cute as he is in the original, but he's not bad. Overall, the special effects in this one aren't too shabby. Yeah. The opening
1: the opening scene Shipwreck, that looked pretty good too. His name's Marshmallow? Yeah, his
0: name's yeah, Marshmallow. Isn't that cute? Is that is he from the movie? Uh uh-huh.
2: yeah. I have to watch the movie again. Yeah, it's he been... he uh he yeets on Kristoff off a cliff. <laughs> oh yeah! It's when they go to talk to Elsa and it doesn't go well and oh, she's right. like y- you guys need to leave and she makes marshmallow and marshmallows like get out
0: oh right okay
2: and then in um the one short frozen fever Elsa gets a cold and keeps making little itty bitty snow babies and then marshmallow is entrusted with their care <laughs> Have you
0: seen so that f- one I haven't so seen the- that I saw I saw I saw the Christmas one the it's- frozen fever is cute
2: it's it's Elsa. Elsa wants to make a surprise for Anna's birthday because Anna's never had a proper birthday party because of, you know, them all being locked in separate rooms. But she has a cold and she keeps sneezing. And every time she sneezes, it makes a little snow baby. <laughs> There's like 80 of them by the end of the short. The Ice
1: Palace is now home to Marshmallow and just a billion snow babies. Yeah, since Elsa doesn't have to to live in
2: isolation anymore. She's, you know, the Queen of Arendelle and lives in the castle. So yeah, her snow palace is where Marshmallow and all the snow babies live. (laughs) Aww. It's very cute.
0: All right, because I've seen Olaf's Frozen Adventure. Yes, I've seen that one.
2: And they actually, at the very end of Frozen 2, come back because... Olaf's telling the story of Frozen 2 to Marshmallow and all the snow babies yes and he goes I'm alive and so are you and (laughs) Marshmallow's like (laughs) wait And they all get really
0: happy
1: oh okay (laughs) all right I'm gonna have I'm gonna have to watch them because I love all the
0: shorts yeah Frozen
1: Fever is super cute and has really cute Anna and Elsa costumes Mm -hmm. and it's very sweet and And Kristoff
2: is adorable in it he is in Arendelle
0: of the Past, Anna leads Elsa to visit the Rock Trolls. She calls out to Grand Poppy, who reveals himself. And he's also not terrible CGI, I have to say.
2: No, he no. actually, they looks like they just dragged and dropped the asset right from Frozen. He looks like almost exactly like he did in the movie. I
1: yeah. think they, I think they might have had an increased budget, which makes sense because I think season three was a really successful mm-hmm, it season was. for them.
0: Yeah. So he asks her if something is wrong and if she's having second thoughts. He assures that Kristoff won't smell like that forever. (laughs) Anna tells him that their problem isn't related to her fiancé, but to their parents. She hands him her mother's diary, asking what they were truly doing on their fatal voyage. Abby tells her that he doesn't know, and Elsa takes the book back, eager to leave. As the women start to leave, Poppy tells them that while he doesn't know what their parents set out to do, he does know where they were headed. He explains that a few days before their departure, the king and queen visited him to inquire about the land called Misthaven. Elsa asks what they wanted in Misthaven, but Pabby replies that they didn't say. He yawns and dismisses the women, rolling back into a rock to sleep. Excitedly, Anna turns to Elsa saying they have their answer. Elsa replies that they only have more questions, and Anna conjects that they have a start. She suggests then that they go to Misthaven. Elsa cuts her off, pointing out that she cannot leave as she is the queen, and Hans and his 12 angry brothers are waiting to pounce on their kingdom at the first sign of weakness. Unperturbed, Anna suggests she go to Miss Taven alone. She tells Elsa that she'll only be gone for, you know, two weeks. Upset, Elsa replies, uh, that's just what mother and father said, before she walks away. In Storybrooke, Emma and Hook gaze at the massive ice creature, Marshmallow. (laughs) Emma lowers her gun, telling the creature that they don't want to pick a fight. The creature spews an icy blast from its mouth, knocking Emma and Hook down and causing Emma's gun to discharge. The two run out of the fenced area and down the street, followed by the creature Marshmallow. <laughs> they encounter Walter and Leroy on the main street, and Leroy causes a panic by shouting, Evil snowman, run! And everyone scatters.
2: Bless Leroy he's a gem and once upon a time should use him much more than they do Mm. they really should
1: also emma's face in reaction to the phrase evil snowman was hilarious too oh i'm gonna have to go back and look at that she's so done she's just like how is this my life (laughs) oh that's
0: right A newspaper blows in the wind and lands near Elsa's hiding place. She picks it up and gazes at the front page, a photo of Mr. Gold and Belle announcing their wedding with the snowflake necklace she gave to her sister in a display case next to them. Elsa lowers the newspaper. The ice creature walks through town and Emma observes that it's headed for the forest. Meanwhile, in her vault, Regina shows Sydney a page in Henry's storybook depicting Robin Hood and Marion. She explains that Marion is back and recapturing the happy ending the book gave her. In disbelief, Sydney asks, the book gave it to her? Regina explains that the book is powerful and what is written in it appears immutable. However, she claims she is stronger and the two of them are going to change things. When Sydney asks how, Regina replies that Marion needs to be removed. Sydney gushes, claiming that he knew that Regina kept him around so he could be of service to her, that she hadn't forgot about him.
1: Ugh, what a simp. And her face here clearly says she absolutely forgot that she locked him away, and that's the only reason he was still in that cell in the hospital. Like, poor, poor Sydney. Mm. Goodness gracious. Sydney asks her how she wants him to kill Marion,
0: and Regina replies that he is not to kill her, as it would obviously come back to her. Look at that. She's learning. (laughs) (laughs) She explains that her plan is to go back in time to kill Marion before Emma arrives and saves her. She is not learning. I take that back. No. (laughs) Sydney asks what his purpose is in her plan, and Regina informs him that while she was queen, she sentenced many to death. Sydney deduces that she doesn't remember Marion. Regina tells him that she needs him to show her the moment she captured her so she knows when to travel back to. Sydney begins to question how he could even do that, as in the land without magic, he is no longer the mirror, and Regina interrupts him by transporting him into a nearby mirror. Sydney bangs on the glass from inside of the mirror, screaming in desperation. Regina tells him to calm down, and it's just temporary. She asks him to show her when she met Marion, and he complies. Via the mirror, Regina views her encounter with Marion in the former Enchanted Forest. She demands that Marion tell her where Snow White is, and Marion says nothing. She declares that Marion will die the next day for her stupidity and walks away from her. Marion tells her that she feels sorry for her, and if she had a family of her own or love, the queen wouldn't have to be so cruel. The queen approaches Marion again, telling her that she knows who she is and what she wants. Regina tells Marion that what she wants is her head on a spike and walks away as Marion calls her a monster. Ending the flashback, Sydney asks Regina if that was what she was looking for, and Regina replies in the affirmative.
1: Lana's performance at the end of the scene is so good. She has this full face journey that starts in that trademark evil smirk, but it clearly falls apart. and we actually see that this Regina here and now appears to be disturbed by who she was and it's a subtle moment. it's a quiet moment, but it's so well done by Lana. And I was actually impressed that like that's kind of how they had her go in that moment. I don't love all this backsliding, but like that moment right now, like seeing her reaction to how she was that that was good.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, and I haven't seen season four. So, yes, it appears that she's backsliding. But even just that face journey alone is already showing that she's feeling remorse a lot quicker than she usually does. Oh, yeah, absolutely.
2: I really don't love that Marion continues this horrible trope of like, you have to be a mother in order to be able to express empathy. Mm -hmm. Yes yeah that was like marion just being like you don't get it because you don't have a family i'm like you know what yeah no absolutely yeah marion i'm not saying i advocate for murder no 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 for sure maybe i I a little bit understand why regina killed you (laughs) like that's not okay I hate that trope and I hate that it's not the first time we've seen Once Upon a Time be like, oh, biological motherhood is the only way that you're a good person, basically. Yeah, and there's yeah. a Regina
1: plot point that makes it even, that we haven't come to yet, so I'm not saying anything, but like, that makes it even worse. It yeah, so, I don't then. know,
2: fuck Marion. You know, I can I can think you didn't deserve to die and also think you're a piece of shit at the same time and that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, i I agree. And it's a trope that Once Upon a Time has done multiple times, and every Mm -hmm. time they do it, I'm like, you need to stop. I feel like there are a few things that make it very obvious how many men are writing this than when shit like this comes up. Yeah. Because that's a very icky male perspective, I feel like. Yeah.
0: On the main street of town, citizens continue to run about in a panicked frenzy. Elsa, carrying the newspaper, hides in an alley near Mr. Gold's pawn shop. In Arendelle of the past, Elsa visits the stables looking for Kristoff. She sees Sven's first and asks if he knows where Anna is. And Sven snorts at her. Because right, we see Sven first, and then Kristoff
2: comes. Yeah. Come. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Because right. she has she has basically an entire conversation with Sven before Kristoff mm-hmm. comes rumbling into the room. Like she talks yeah. to Sven for a while, and like she has a whole like I know you're not telling me the truth, Sven. Like moment yeah, with him. yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: she 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 tries to get Sven to squeal, but he just won't do it. Elsa, he just, who
2: speaks reindeer now, apparently. <laughs> he, uh he just kind of multiclassed. Yeah, <laughs> took a level in drew so she could do beast speech.
1: Oh, there you go. cast
2: mm-hmm. speak with animals.
1: Basically, a big part of her journey in Frozen 2. So yeah, that's true. It's true.
2: There Frozen Two is about Elsa multiclassing. <laughs> yeah, it is.
0: Anyway, Sven is uh, not squealing on Anna. Kristoff arrives, and he attempts to deflect Elsa's questions, claiming that Anna has gone to get more frosting for the wedding cake.
2: <laughs> Bless That's his- sweet himbo. <laughs> Bless <laughs> his dumb heart. I love him.
0: However, Elsa sees right through his ruse. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Which wasn't very hard. Deducing uh-huh. that Kristoff is trying to delay her. She asks him where Anna has gone, and Kristoff tells her that Anna has set off for Misthaven, and her ship is due to leave at any moment. He tells Elsa that Anna is making the trip for her and he was only trying to help. Sven interrupts and Elsa leaves as Kristoff addresses the reindeer.
2: (laughs) I am so relieved they used an actual reindeer and didn't have a CG monstrosity. Like, I was honestly worried about Eldritch Horror Sven because I could not remember if they used an actual animal or not when I was trying to recall what happened in this episode. So I actually got a little concerned when she first approached the stables. Sven is adorable
0: like i love that they have real reindeer money now mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> i i did write that i'm not sure about Kristoff yet meaning that like we've all this is only his first scene so i just i have no opinion of him
2: you've only um, known him for a paragraph yeah exactly
0: yeah, yeah um, but I- and i'm saying that like yeah his animated counterpart is very difficult to compete against or or to match up to i should say to live up to because i do
1: love christoph so much yeah he's great i, th- I think i'll warm on you I remember I really liked him when I first watched this season. In present-day Storybrooke, Emma, Hook, and David,
0: still in pursuit of the snow creature, come upon the Merry Men's camp in the woods.
1: I like that the Merry Men are still devoted to their full-time camping life, even after living in Storybrooke for months now. I'm sure Regina could have set them up with houses, but they love their rugged life. Bless them, because I don't.
2: <laughs> I don't still say, no, that's gross. Take a shower. Yeah. Use use indoor
0: plumbing. It's a blessing. Please. Robin Hood offers his aid as the monster approaches the group. Little John shoots the creature with a crossbow. Hook comments that the group doesn't have what it takes to battle the creature, and David interjects that Emma does. Emma shoots a blast of magic at the monster, stunning it for a moment before it becomes enraged, growing spikes. The creature strikes Emma, then knocks over the men with a roar. As they fall to the ground, Marion draws back her bow, but she too is knocked down by the creature. Regina arrives, placing herself between the creature and Marion. Marion pleads for Regina to help her, but Regina disappears in a cloud of smoke. The creature approaches Marion, frozen in horror, and lifts a foot to stomp her. Suddenly, the creature disappears in a blast. Regina has successfully destroyed it. Shocked, Marion stares at Regina, muttering, You saved me! as the rest of the group awakens. After assuring Robin that she is alright, Marion tells Regina, Maybe you're not a monster. Regina agrees and welcomes Marion to Storybrooke. Ah, oh, such a fucking boss. She begins to walk away, and Emma attempts to approach her, telling Regina that they have been looking for her. But without a word, Regina disappears in a cloud of smoke. Ah, Regina, you are a boss. so good. I've
1: missed her so much.
0: I know. Shortly afterward, Hook approaches Emma, saying, Crisis averted. Emma asks him if he wants to go home and see what's on Netflix, and Hook replies that while he doesn't know what that is, he does. <laughs> Turning serious, Emma points out that someone created the ice creature and the crisis isn't over. Killian responds that it's never over and they should enjoy the quiet moments when they can. And he's fucking right. Emma tells him that she has to do something and Hook tells her to go ahead, but that he is sure she is avoiding him. Emma finally admits that she is, explaining that she feels too guilty as Regina lost Robin Hood because of her. Hook asks her if there is more to it than just Regina, and Emma responds by kissing him and telling him to be patient. He has all the time in the world, Killian remarks, unless another monster appears and kills him. Emma visits the mayor's office, where Regina has locked herself inside. Through the door, Emma tells Regina that while things are complicated, she can have happiness. She just has to fight. When there is no response, Emma tells Regina that if she won't fight, Emma will. She tells her that Henry brought her to Storybrooke to bring back happy endings and she won't be done until she does it for everyone, including Regina.
1: I love this scene so much. I love Emma Swan so much. Man, I've really missed these Emma and Regina moments. The scene is lovely. I know. I love it's that. It's really good.
0: After Emma leaves, Regina has an epiphany. An epiphany to ruin all epiphanies. As she crosses the room and picks up the storybook, she addresses the mirror who does not respond until she addresses him as Sydney. Which, respect. She tells him that he can help change her fate. When he balks at her suggestion, saying it's beyond his power, Regina responds that his power and hers together can do it. She explains that the book is the cause of her suffering, not Marion. She points out that in every story of the book, the villains don't get the happy ending. And the book is always right. She thought that not being the villain would change her fate, but it hasn't. Sydney asks for the plan, and Regina replies that they are going to find the writer, the author, and force them to give her a happy ending. And I'm sure that will end well.
1: <laughs> I totally forgot that the author was the overarching plot for season four, not just the plot for 4B. So I was like, oh, we're talking about them already? All right, here we go.
0: Meanwhile, at the mansion, Belle sleeps soundly as Mr. Gold leaves their bed. He takes his dagger and passes it over the mysterious object he found earlier that day. It changes shape, becoming a hat with moving light in the shape of a galaxy inside. Mr. Gold gazes at it with a smile. And hey, it's the Sorcerer's Hat from the Sorcerer's Apprentice.
2: And the rest of this episode is just phantasmic, but hopefully with less animatronics that are completely on fire. R.I.P. Murphy, you were a real one. That's why you don't tempt fate by naming shit after Murphy's Law.
1: I did like what Mark did with the music here, and he actually works in the piece of music from The Sorcerer's Apprentice. When all the magic starts swirling, I was like, nice touch. In town, Elsa freezes the door lock and breaks
0: into Mr. Gold's pawn shop. Grazing about inside, she finds the snowflake necklace that she gave to her sister. In Arendelle of the Past, Kristoff follows Elsa to the docks as they gaze at Anna's ship, already underway. She tells Kristoff that they must go after her, but he refuses. He reassures Elsa that Anna will be fine, saying that they both know her. Exasperated, Elsa states that Anna didn't have to go alone, and Kristoff replies that she did, and that Elsa is the queen and things didn't go well the last time she left. Elsa asks Kristoff why he didn't go with Anna, and he replies that Anna didn't want him to, that she wanted him to stay so Elsa would not be alone.
1: I thought Anna wanting Kristoff to stay behind so Elsa wouldn't be alone was a very sweet thought. So sweet. So sweet.
0: Like, I just met this Anna and already I'm super in love with her.
1: Like, I was always a big fan of her, but I love how she's devoted to Elsa she is. It's very sweet. Like, she cares so much about the people around her. It's very endearing.
0: And I love how devoted Elsa is equally to her.
1: It's very
2: cute.
0: Once again, Christoph reassures Elsa that Anna will be fine, saying that he believes in her and Elsa should too. He tells her that Anna doesn't give up on the people she loves and she always succeeds. Elsa replies that she also acts before she thinks that Taven could be dangerous and ponders how she has never heard of it. Christoph replies that she may know
1: it by what its inhabitants call it, the Enchanted Forest. Dude, Taven's kind of a sweet name. It sounds like a fantasy novel series from the 1980s.
2: Mm-hmm. Or a D&D setting, like Waterdeep. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm just
0: like, ugh. Like the whole of the place was called the Enchanted Forest? I <laughs> guess so. Ugh. <laughs> Alright, whatever. I like Miss Davin. I'm gonna call it like Misthaven. Miss- I like Miss Haven, too. In present-day storybook, a teary-eyed Elsa gazes at her sister's necklace and vows to find her. End credits.
2: You know, I feel like a lot of times I would have been more raring to yell at things in this episode. But coming off the heels of Wonderland, I was (laughs) so happy just to be back in regular Once Upon a Time territory that a lot of the things that would normally bother me just didn't. Like, this episode was actually okay. Like, it's not wonderful, but it's not egregious. And I really, really love Anna. I think she's adorable and has the energy down perfectly. So I'm good.
1: Yeah, I really enjoyed this one. And, you know, after we took our whole Wonderland break, seeing the Storybrooke gang again was like seeing old friends. Mm. Like, God, I missed Emma Swan so much. I remember really liking the Frozen arc when it originally aired. And so far, this first episode has held up. And I agree with Lynn that Anna is perfect. She's such a joy to watch this season. I'm not happy about the Regina backslide, But there's moments in this episode where you can tell this backslide won't be like before. I wish the writers hadn't decided to have this reveal that Sydney was held captive all this time, because that was honestly awful, especially after, like, everything Sydney's been through. Like, it was gross. Don't do it. But besides that, I had a fun time with this episode. I think as a season starter, it picked up the loose threads from the season three finale nicely. And it did a good job of teasing what's to come this season. So hey, good job guys. Good job, the Kitsuits. For most of this. <laughs>
0: I I really like this episode.
1: It was nice because
0: this is the very first season opener that I had never seen before. So everything was like new and shiny to me. Cause I remember Rage Quitting on Once Upon a Time towards the end of season three, which I was watching on Netflix, like I think during the summer between seasons three and four. And so they were like really hard advertising season four and frozen was just fucking everywhere. It it was kind of a sleeper hit, you know, it was released in November of uh, 2013. And so like 2014 is sort of like when it hit big time. And so for me, you know, as a jaded 20 something, 30 something, I was 30 something year old. I was just like, Oh God, this is just like a cash grab. You know, especially because they put her in like, you know, the recognizable outfit, like it it didn't seem like it was seamlessly blending into like the established surroundings of Once Upon a Time, you know, it it felt very much like, look, it's your favorite, you know, you know what I mean? Like, I, I was just I was like, ugh. you know, even though I had liked Frozen quite a bit, like way, way more than I anticipated. But I was just like, oh, my God, it's fucking everywhere. I'm like, they're not even trying at this point. But now that like a, nearly a decade has passed and I'm at peace with it all and I'm quite a Frozen fan. Like I said, I, I I liked Frozen 2 a lot. I feel at peace with it all. And like, I'm really excited for, to see where like Elsa and Anna and Sven and Kristoff go and how like their tale unfolds. Yeah, I'm just, I'm like really here for them. This is great. I love Frozen. Like, yes, I'm a decade too late, but fuck it. Like, I'm yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm truly excited.
1: Yeah, a lot of people like did not return to the show because of Frozen being integrated. There's mm-hmm. a lot of people that kind of dismissed this arc because it was Frozen. It was sad to see. Lynn and me watched this specific one while it was airing. Um, we caught up specifically for it because we do love Frozen. And we're excited to see what they were going to do. And I really enjoyed it. I think they do something very unique with it, even though there's the recognizable costumes, things like that. I do think they go to very unique places with this, very cool places with it, when it comes to the fairy tale that it's like loosely based on. I remember liking 4A a lot, so I'm glad you're liking it so far, and I hope it continues to surprise you. Me too. Let's talk about costumes. Yeah, we've talked about this a little, but yeah, I I agree. I do wish Eduardo had brought some new looks for Elsa, Anna, and Kristoff. But I I do have a feeling that there was studio pressure to keep the iconic look. So, like, I, I understand that. But that said, I think they did a beautiful job translating them to real life. I'm especially fond of Anna's green epilogue dress. It's one of my absolute favorite costumes of hers from the movies. I actually cosplayed it. My mom made it for me. It's so pretty. And here, this version is just, it's beautifully executed. And I just love it. It's really well done.
2: I mean, they they definitely played it very safe with the costumes, but I appreciate that they put some really pretty detailing on them. The fabric and embellishments are very pretty, which I just keep saying pretty and I'm sorry. And I like the little details like them having embroidered snowflakes on Anna's mittens at the end of the episode. They managed to put in little cute touches while, I guess, having to keep them as the very recognizable IP outfits i think i've said all i needed to say
0: about the outfits to be honest but i'll just gush one more time anna's outfit is everything
2: it's just so well done it's so lovely mm-hmm. oh well her wedding dress was very pretty and that wasn't in frozen true that was very unique but i guess I we can talk her. about that the wedding dress oh. was very pretty and that yeah. wasn't in frozen oh, yeah. it
1: had like uh the lace work was like leaves uh-huh like individual leaves that was beautiful and this was actually before the leaf motif of Frozen 2, so mm-hmm. that's kind of like It's actually interesting
2: that there's a few things that I feel like once upon a time unintentionally predicted that are in Frozen 2. Mm-hmm because frozen 2 wasn't even like a fucking twinkle in disney's eye at this point
0: no no because like i said it was it was a sleeper hit oh yeah they were
2: not anticipating it they they weren't at all that's why it was so hard to get a hold of any frozen merch when frozen Mm -hmm. first came out because they they didn't make a lot and they didn't expect everyone to want it so it all sold out immediately Mm -hmm. and they were like oh shit
0: I'm looking at some of the behind the scenes photos for this episode so I could get a closer look at the dress because it's it's a nice dress. It's that's all I can kind of say to me. It, it it did nothing for me, but it is nice. But I'm seeing photos of Giancarlo on the green screen and he's like mid rage, like where he's like hitting the, uh, you know, like supposed to be inside the mirror and stuff. That's it, it's very cute. <laughs> so I'm going to have to download some for Instagram. Anyway, uh, it's now time to play. Who's that guest star? In season four, episode one, we have Pascal Hutton was Queen Gerda. Canadian actor Pascal Hutton is best known for her starring role on Wind Calls the Heart, a show which features many an actor from Once Upon a Time. She can also be seen on film and TV titles such as Smallville, Flashpoint, Arctic Air, Sanctuary, and Supernatural. Shot. (laughs) And then we have Oliver Rice as the King of Arendelle, the poor bastard who doesn't even get a name. This British actor can be found guest starring in TV shows such as The Flash, The Magicians, Altered Carbon, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, Riverdale, and, say it with me, my friends,
2: Supernatural. Supernatural.
1: <laughs> I have to make it peppy, guys. I'm sorry. All right. It's time to take our first trip down this season down once upon a timeline. So Arendelle, as we learned in this episode, is part of the same realm as the Enchanted Forest which I like quite a bit. After spending time in so many different lands, in both Wonderland and season three, I'm, I'm happy to see the, the world of the Enchanted Forest expand a little, like see a little more of, of their world. So now to place this in the timeline of episodes we have seen so far. In order to do this, since there's not a lot of context clues yet, I definitely used a combo of uh, information from good old The Once Upon a Time wiki and pulling some of my own knowledge from having seen the season before. So, to place this episode in the timeline of the episodes we've seen so far, the first flashback here takes place five years prior to the bulk of the episode's flashbacks. Um, this is where we see Elsa and Anna's parents shipwreck. And that actually takes place shortly after the flashback scene in. Season three, episode three, quite a common fairy. So Regina's meet, cute, and fall out with with Tinkerbell. Now, the bulk of the flashback seen in this episode can be placed after Will and the Merry Men have their adventure raiding Maleficent's castle in Once Upon a Time in Wonderland, episode five, Heart of Stone. And then the flashbacks that we've seen so far that most closely follow this episode are those that we saw in season one, episode 12, Skin Deep, where Belle and Rumplestilskin meet for the first time. As uh, this uh, season goes on, we'll continue to flesh out the story around this. So that's it for Timeline. Now we have a question from Tumblr that we wanted to address on the air. I just want to say, I hope that you did get the memo ages ago that said that
0: we would finally like get to your question in this episode. <laughs> Sorry that we took so long. We just thought it fit better now.
1: (laughs) All right. So this is from Snowing Fairy Tale. So Snowing Fairy Tale says, Hello, tis I again, the local Once Upon a Time timeline enthusiast. I wanted to get y'all's thoughts on this. So I've been obsessing over the timeline lately, as always. And I've been thinking about time travel in Once Upon a Time in particular. I love that you all enjoyed the season three two-part finale. My snowing heart does mourn for the original Snow Falls meet cute in its entirety, but it's certainly a fun watch. But yes, so I'm not that well-versed in how different forms of time travel work, but it seemed like Emma and Killian created an entirely new timeline. Do you think that means that the family Emma and Killian return to are alternate timeline versions of everyone? That would mean that all the characters except Captain Swan Who Emma and the audience have gotten to know and love are not the same ones we see at the end of the finale. And if that's the case, do you think that would mean that Emma's family in the original timeline are still waiting for her to return home, but she never can and they never find out what happens to her? Oh god. That would break my heart and I can't stop thinking about it, but maybe I'm overthinking. But anywho, your podcast is one of my favorites. It truly is the most magical in all the realms. Thank you for all that you do and can't wait for your season three recap and next season. Oh, that's so nice. <laughs> Thank it you so, so nice. much, Snowing Fairy Tale. Also, you have broken my heart with this theory. <laughs> oh no. I have my thoughts. What do I've you been,
0: think? I've been, I've been thinking about this. I've been thinking about this since we got it, like kept it in the back of my mind. And look, you, you can you can be of many theories. I think there are two big branches of theories here. You can be the the Disney version, which is the don't think about it too hard. Um, just go with it, you know, kind of situation, right? Like the math is hard. Don't don't fucking don't don't fucking think about it. Or you can go like full on Marvel multiverse schisms and really think about it and surmise that, yeah, it cracked a line in the multiverse and made a schism naturally i'm gonna say disney like go go with the disney don't think about it you know like is, is situation but i don't know how they um deal with season seven with this whole shit and and if timey-wimey parallel universes come in to play with it like i don't know how they explain it away because i haven't gotten there yeah so um, yeah um, but yeah maybe i mean that's that's a fanfic that's a fanfic.
1: My my thoughts reading this, especially coming off of the episode we just watched, is we have Regina focusing on, you know, the power of the book and Marion's story being rewritten. And maybe that's what happened here. That's what happened. It's not like a branch and the old version was left behind. It's almost like when they changed things, they rewrote the story. Mm. So... The versions that happened before never existed. You know, they've been erased and replaced with this turn of events, right? Yeah. So it's like the book has been edited. It's been rewritten.
2: So it's, it's not a like- really sad episode of Doctor Who where there's the version of Amy that's been alone fighting forever.
1: Yeah, it's not that because that <laughs> breaks my heart. I can't think about that. Like, oh, like Snow and Charming just being like, Emma never came home. Henry being like, Emma never
0: but came home. But when they fixed that, oh. they didn't erase that. And then that, that ceased to exist. But they became this new form. Right. if you're so, going off the
2: timelines version, then that does mean this is a new timeline. There is an alternative timeline then where Emma never came back. Because these would be new versions created by her diverting the timeline. It's, you know.
0: Yeah. But if but if like the Amy Rory situation, right? Like it did happen up until they rescued Amy. And then she's just ceased to exist.
2: Timey-wimey, man. Timey-wimey. I mean, it wasn't a perfect analogy, but
0: no but i I, I but the closest touch but i think than, that i think that ties in with what elisa says oh, That
1: episode, like than, it, gets, it, gets,
0: loki. It, it gets rewritten you know right because then you have like the loki situation where it's not rewritten
2: yeah because if it's a loki situation then i think that that's dark that this person's exactly right that means that that it created a schism and in that one, there is the version where the charmings never see Emma again and Henry grows up without Emma in his life because she yeah. never came back.
1: That's sad. That's just
0: sad. That's that's for a fanfic author to explore. I'm I'm definitely the more because like we have like this whole story book and the the actual like meta of the author coming in. I actually now am with Elisa on this saying that yeah that was almost like a first draft like it got rewritten so that part did not even happen
1: that's like maybe like that's oh I was going in spoiler territory never mind I'm not going to say what I was going to say but yeah like it's the storybook and it's been rewritten it's not like that other version is left hanging things have been like tied together and fixed and just adjusted Mm -hmm. right now this is a great question for season four because I feel like there's a lot of this interesting timey wimey storytelling stuff continues on through through this fourth season. Yeah. This was a great question, Stowing Fairy Tale. You broke our brains a little, but uh just, we really appreciate bit. it. Keep it coming. Keep it coming.
0: Yeah. So it's now time for our ransom raves. We did a rave. Um, what? I said I just did a rave in my chair. Oh,
1: okay. Um, <laughs> what? i was doing that was rave music and i think that was actually the cheat rave from <laughs> i th- yeah i
2: think you know, you're about to turn into the system is down, down. The, system the system is, is down, down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, are we showing our age Mm-mm, no we're just very good internet historians we're
0: archivists
2: yes (laughs) we're really good at finding lost ancient internet texts we're not
1: Not, old not not old at all
2: anyway we me and elisa just got back from our first wedding anniversary trip to disney world which was amazing and we got to do a lot of cool things but on the flight we didn't have in-flight entertainment which meant i had a lot of time to read which wasn't a bad thing One of the books I read was called She is a Haunting, and I really dug it. It's a queer led ghost story that handles generational and colonial trauma. And I thought it was really well done. So that's my piece. That sounds really cool. It was. I mean, it's, you know, it's it's a horror book, so it's spooky, but it's very well written.
1: Yeah, like Lynn said, it was our anniversary and we had an anniversary trip and it was so much fun. We had our anniversary lunch in Cinderella's Castle at Cinderella's Royal Table and it was delicious. And we ate at Space 220 at Epcot, so we ate in space for my birthday, mm-hmm. which was awesome. And we were even there for Magic Kingdom's Dapper Day, so we also got to join in some Dapper Day fun. And it was it was great. It was such a chill vacation and a really fun way to celebrate our first year married. And it was wonderful. I loved it so much. And I guess uh, for a piece of media, I'd recommend uh, we just finished the second season of Schmigadoon. Did it need a second season? No, I think the first season's end was great. But the second season, when the first episode dropped, it was a complete surprise to me. I didn't know it was coming, but it dropped. And the second season ended up being a lot of fun. And I miss it already. If you're a fan of... Musicals and comedy, both you know, poking fun but lovingly, lovingly referencing musicals. Uh, I would recommend *Schmigadoon*. I think it's a really fun time, and it, it's got some real heart to it. And the cast is just great. yay I mean, where else are you going to see Alan Cumming and Kristen Chenoweth singing about eating orphans? True, true. Ooh. As the orphans have a happy singing along with them. I must. Um,
0: I have to check that out because I love Alan Cumming.
1: Oh, he's great. He's in both seasons. He's a delight.
0: I uh, I know it's not everyone's cup of tea, but I have been enjoying the last season of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. I'm also excited to get my hair cut and dyed. It's time and I'm ready for it. And I know to our listeners, this kind of means nothing, but like it it's been over three years since uh, I have had any fun colors in my hair because it needed a break from it. (laughs) Like, so it's all been new hair and now it's time to fuck it up. (laughs) So that is going to happen in the very near future. The day that this is gonna be going out will be mother's Day, so happy happy Mother's Day to Karen, who listens to this. Hi, Mom, and my mom doesn't
1: listen to it, but happy Mother's Day to you too
0: <laughs> yeah, happy mother's Day to 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 all those who honor it in however way you do. and yeah, that's it. That's all I got going on i don't I don't really have a life right now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we all watched Alice in Wonderland. We did. People
0: okay, together. we all so if you listen to our Once Upon a Time Wonderland mini-series, I kept referencing the one that I grew up with. And so I finally had the opportunity to take my co host hostage <laughs> and lull them into a false sense of security and made them watch it. And I don't think they hated it.
2: It was oh, a was, no, I, I enjoyed it. I it didn't hate good. it. It was oh, okay. very strange, but I did not hate it. Okay. I had forgotten that you said it was going to be a musical. <laughs> yeah. So then the first time someone started singing, I was like, what? <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know this is what we were doing. Because okay. until someone started singing, it didn't totally feel like it was going to be a musical.
0: Sure. Absolutely. Mm-hmm.
2: So I was like, um.
0: And it, it takes a little what? while to get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it had a while before the first song kicked in. Yeah, at least 20 minutes. And then it's just nonstop. But Sammy Davis Jr. as the caterpillar still rocks my world. Much better than the CG caterpillar from Wonderland. Yeah. Verbally abusive mean turd. F- <laughs> the mean <laughs> turd.
2: Oh.
0: <laughs> uh. Uh. Next time on Once Upon a Rewatch, while desperately trying to find her sister, Anna, Elsa is startled by Emma and accidentally traps them both inside an ice cave. Depressed over her situation with Robin Hood, Regina secludes herself away from the town, including Henry. And while the townspeople consider Mary Margaret their leader, she faces her first leadership task. Meanwhile, in the Enchanted Forest of the Past, Anna tries to teach a meek David to fight a brutal warlord who is threatening to take his and his mother's farm away if they don't pay her price. Thank you for tuning in to Once Upon a Rewatch. We are the Narrators 3. The moral of this episode is... Be more careful with your dead mother's wedding dress. It's Mother's Day, for goodness sake.
1: Visit us at Spotify for podcasters to answer episodic questions, send us voice messages, or to find out other ways you can help support the podcast. You can find our page at podcasters.spotify.com pod show once upon a rewatch. If you
0: enjoy Once Upon a Rewatch, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or on your
1: platform of choice. Talk fairy tales with us on Twitter at Once Upon
2: Rewatch. On Instagram at Once Upon Rewatch.
0: On Tumblr at OnceUponArewatch.tumblr.com.
2: The artwork for our podcast was by Lychee Riru. We want to say a very special thank you to the master of free music, Kevin McLeod. Our intro music is Frost Waltz. And our outro music is Tale Waltz.
0: This podcast uses material from episode-specific pages on the Once Upon a Time wiki at Fandom and is licensed under the Creative Commons
1: Attribution Share Alike License. And remember, all plot devices come with a price. Oh no, I just realized we didn't record or release a season four trailer episode, which we usually do. And I've just finished editing all of episode one, season four, and it's Sunday, and I'm about to release it, and I don't want to delay that. So it's going out into the wild. Sorry, there is no trailer. I actually really like editing the trailers, so I don't know, maybe for season five it'll be a a double-length one, and we'll go through the highlights of season three and season four. But other than that, enjoy, (laughs) enjoy the first episode. It's in the wild now. No preview to prepare you. You're in Arendelle now with us. Hope you enjoy it.